Mindfulness Mode 400. The only way that you'll fully get well is to nurture the yin, which calms down the nervous system. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I'm so excited to be at episode 400. And I think this is a great time to celebrate. So I was just thinking, you know, uh, email me, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and tell me what you like most about the Mindfulness Mode podcast. And maybe tell me about one of your favorite episodes. I'd always love to hear that. And I'd love to hear a little bit about you that I can share on the show. So tell me a little bit about you and why you enjoy Mindfulness Mode. And I'll send you out a free t-shirt if you uh, send me this in the next couple of days. I'd be very happy. So send it to me before February 15th, 2019. And I will send you out a free t-shirt. And I will mention you on the air. I'll mention the little blurb that you've written and excited to do that today we are going to be talking with a board certified naturopathic doctor he's got a terrific podcast called the cabrell concept and he's also got a method to get well in 21 days and i thought wow that seems incredible if you can actually get well in 21 days depending on what the problem is that you have with your health but we talk about that on the show and I think you'll enjoy it he's got a lot of enthusiasm a lot of knowledge sit back relax and enjoy today's episode with Dr. Stephen Cabral Hey, Mindful Tribe, I have a terrific guest here today. We're going to talk about health. We're going to talk about wellness. I have Dr. Stephen Cabral. Hey, Dr. Cabral, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am in mindfulness mode. Thank you for asking. That's great. Dr. Cabral is a board-certified naturopathic doctor and founder of the Cabral Wellness Institute. At 17 years old, He was diagnosed with a life-altering illness, and he was given no hope for recovery. I mean, how devastating would that be? Every day he suffered for many years, and now he is helping people every day. He's online, he has a practice in Boston, and he and his team use functional medicine and personalized wellness plans to help people. And his mission is to help people understand that there is always a reason why you have not achieved your ideal wellness or weight loss goals and that you can and will get well again. And I love this positive outlook, this incredible attitude that you have in helping people. And so what does mindfulness mean to you? Let's start there, Dr. Cabral. A big thing for mindfulness for me is simply starting with self-awareness. And I just think it's very difficult for us to even grasp the term mindfulness if we don't first understand that inside of us, you know, there are the thoughts that we're having, but then there's the also the thinker of the thoughts. And so we need to sometimes disassociate ourselves with all the thoughts that run through our head and the 50,000 plus images and inputs we get every single day. And it's to step back. It's simply a time for you to step back and to begin not only to think, what do I want my new thoughts to be? but also become self-aware as to what the thoughts that are happening inside of your head are manifesting as and why those might be. Not necessarily judge them, but simply begin to accept them and understand that they've served you to this point. But going forward, you've decided to move in a new area or a new path in your life. That sounds so straightforward. It sounds so awesome. (laughs) How do we actually pull this off? Without a doubt, you know, the best thing that I've seen is, is to not, 
be not judge yourself, not be harsh on yourself. A lot of times when we go to meditate or we go to just to simply be more self-aware, we have all these, we're first starting to actually realize we have a lot of thoughts going on in our head and most of them are negative. Well, the reason they're negative is they're there to protect you. Our brain has set up in, is set up in a way for survival. So it would teach us thousands of years ago, don't eat that, don't go near this, whatever it might be. Well, today we have so many stress inputs that we're always saying, don't do this, don't do that. And, and then we judge ourselves for not being able to follow through on, on our mind's advice. So for me, it's sitting to be aware of the thoughts. Don't judge them. Ask yourself as they come into your head, how is this trying to serve me? Because it's trying to protect me. And then after that, say, thank you. I appreciate that. But here's why that's not going to affect me. Or here's how I can move forward. Right. Well, uh, you know, there are a lot of people suffering out there. I know that you know that. And in your podcast, that uh, you know, you, you really address that. That's fantastic. That's the Cabral concept. And, uh, you know, it's wonderful how you're able to address people. In your book, now you have a book that I haven't even mentioned yet called The Rain Barrel Effect. And the subtitle is How a 6,000-Year-Old Answer holds the secret to finally getting well, losing weight, and feeling alive again. Well, let's start there with your book. You talk about some of the debilitating allergies and inflammation you were suffering from at one point. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about those challenges you had, and then we'll get into the book a bit more? Sure. So at 17, I got diagnosed. Well, I actually was not diagnosed. I woke up one day extremely sick, uh, heart rate going 160 beats per minute right when I woke up out of bed. My glands were swollen. My eyes were closed shut. And I could feel my body basically shutting down. Well, it was two years of going from doctor to doctor, specialist to specialist, eventually being diagnosed with Addison's disease, uh, an autoimmune condition called rheumatoid arthritis, something called myalgic encephalitis, which is um, flu-like symptoms every single day. So the brain fog, the uh, fever, the joint pain. And after that, I had type 2 diabetes and my immune system was just gradually shutting down. So what happened for me is luckily I was introduced to a different form of medicine called, we call it alternative medicine. But as I like to say, there's no alternative but alternative medicine because if you do hope to get well, uh, you know, pharmaceuticals are not the answer. Now they can be great and very life-saving in the short term, but in the long term, uh, they're just simply masking the symptoms of why you got there in the first place. So I was fortunate enough to meet many, many health practitioners. Uh, it took me a while to get well. And when I did though, I made it my mission to then try to teach how to get well, how not to take 10 years to get well, but take a period of maybe around three to six months in order to rebuild and rejuvenate the body. Well, how did this hit you so suddenly? Because people who have diabetes, doesn't that usually kind of come on a little bit gradually? I'm so surprised that you just woke up and you had this extreme health issue. Without a doubt, and that is the rain barrel effect. I just didn't pay attention to the symptoms. So slowly my rain barrel was filling up. I had seasonal allergies. I had low-level asthma. I would get skin rashes. I would get white spots on my skin. I would start to feel more run down in the morning. I couldn't fall asleep at night, so I was tired in the morning, but yet I was wired at night. And so what happened was it, I was on, on 3,000 capsules of amoxicillin for some skin issues the three years before, basically twice a day, every single day. And I'd been on them earlier in my life. It started to really destroy my gut microbiome, which now we know is so important, but 20 years ago we did not. So what happened was it was a gradually filling up of that rain barrel and the stress of being a senior in high school and playing sports and working at the same time, not getting enough sleep. 
and SATs. And then all of a sudden, yes, it hit in one day, but that was 17 years in the making. Well, I love your analogy of the rain barrel effect. And for those of you listening, Mindful Tribe, maybe you've never heard of this before. And Dr. Cabral has already alluded to it. But can you tell us even a little bit more about the analogy and how you came up with this and, and how it explains to us about our health and fitness? Sure. So we've seen people over the past 18 years, we've seen over a quarter million uh, wellness clients and weight loss clients and anti-aging from all over the world. So this is not just a US-based thing. We work with people literally all over the world just through over Skype. And what we look at is this, that most people, we can see it coming. Now, we wish they had come to us earlier, but some people do. Some people are looking for general health, general wellness, and they can do at-home lab testing. But even if you don't see that, there's a lot of things to look for, meaning like, do you get bloating? Do you get gas? Do you have trouble falling asleep at night? Do you have trouble turning your mind off? Do you need caffeine to wake you back up? Are you starting to get any skin rashes? Are you starting to look and feel more tired or run down? So what we do is we start to see the first signs. Then all of a sudden we get, well, borderline high cholesterol, borderline high blood pressure or triglycerides. We start to see borderline things on our lab work. And then one day we get high cholesterol or high blood pressure or have a heart attack or stroke or any number of things. But yet these things were building over the years. They don't just come all at once. So whether someone's genetically predisposed or not does not matter necessarily until the lifestyle or environment triggers that. And that can be heavy metals, toxicity, food sensitivities, et cetera. All of those things gradually fill up that rain barrel or sometimes not so gradually. Maybe you have a, a death of a loved one and that really caused a dramatic amount of stress in your life. All of a sudden that fills that rain barrel up faster overflowing comes the water. The water is now the dis-ease we get diagnosed with. Right. So you have discovered these these time-tested secrets. You talk about this specifically in your book, and, and you created a formula that anyone can use anywhere in the world called your distress protocol. Can you share details of that with us today? Absolutely. So for me, this was the 6,000-year-old secret is, and it's only a secret because for whatever reason, we've forgotten about it, but a lot of the rest of the world is not. So I did a lot of my internships overseas. I did them in Europe and in India. Uh, I did in Sri Lanka, China, and then of course the US here as well. So my goal was to study every form of medicine because I believe there was truly one best form. And I would use that with the people that I saw in my practice that I cared for. The trouble was this, the more I learned, the more I realized that there was not one system that could help everyone. The best system was a truly integrative approach. So the 6,000 years comes from the ancient wisdom of Ayurvedic medicine and herbalism. And I mean, there's so many beautiful forms of medicine that takes all of this into account. But all of those forms, besides conventional medicine, had to do with something called detoxification. So... And it makes perfect sense. We, especially people listening to this podcast, we kind of want for nothing. We have all the food and all the everything, right? The lights, the iPads, all those things that can throw off our natural rhythms. Well, in Ayurvedic times, even 6,000 years ago, same with Chinese medicine, same with the ancient Roman, ancient Egyptian forms of medicine, it was about removal. Every 12 weeks, we would go into more of a mindfulness state for a week. And that would be a time to just basically kind of go away, shut out the world. I mean, every religion teaches it as well. You take your pilgrimage or your time away and you eat cleanly and you start to do, basically with the, remove a lot of these toxins from the body. So the de-stress protocol is understanding that you don't get well in one way. It's, it's diet, it's exercise, it's stress reduction, toxin removal, more rest, it's emotional 
emotional balance, which no one ever talks about. The mind is a big part of the body since your psychology affects your physiology. And then there's supplementation and the success mindset. So the book goes through each one of those areas. So you didn't mention fasting. What's your take on that? Yeah, I'm a big advocate of fasting. I just think that in America, we like to take things way too far, right? So I believe for a certain group of people, going low carb for a certain period of time is very helpful for blood sugar and for uh, weight loss and all those things. But going low carb for six months is not. So we do three to four months of that fasting. We do overnight uh, from 7 p.m. typically to 7 a.m. Now, if people work a different shift, we just try to get in the 12 hours overnight. So 12 hours of basically catabolism, 12 hours of anabolism taught, uh, again, from every major religion as well as um, form of health. So, but keep in mind, there's always contraindications, right? Like, let's say sure. someone's reactive hypoglycemic and they need some nuts or a little bit of protein or something before bed. I understand that, but that means you're not in a healthy state. So, we get you in a healthy state and then we do our 12 hour overnight fast. Well, some people advocate intermittent fasting where they're doing more than 12 hours. Maybe they're doing 14 or 16. What do you think yes. about that? Well, I've done a few shows on this and it gets pretty in depth, but what happens is this most people, they don't start the day slow. They start the day with getting the kids off to school and uh, sitting in rush hour traffic, prepping for a meeting, drinking coffee. And all of those things are going to spike what's called your catecholamines and your glucocorticoids. That just means stress hormones. If you spike your stress hormones nine times out of 10, you're going to spike your blood sugar anyways. You're no longer fasting because your body has 120 grams or so of stored glucose in your liver that it will just pull into your bloodstream in terms of high stress. And it will also break down muscle tissue if it has to, if you're in the fight or flight. So if you start your day slow, like I start my day slower, I wake up around 5.30, but I don't really start work for about 60 minutes to 90 minutes, meaning like my day, I shouldn't say my work, like getting my girls ready, all those different types of things. So I'll go 13 hours, maybe 13 and a half, but once the day starts, I'm not going to kid myself. I need fuel for the day. So if you start your day in meditation and relaxation, you could absolutely go a little bit longer. There's no doubt about it. But if you start your day stressed, you're not really fasting. Right. I see. So uh, have you yourself ever had trouble with being overweight? And how did you deal with it if you did? Well, I was overweight in the sense of a muscle dysmorphia-based issue. So when I was very, very sick in my early 20s, I still hadn't recovered. I focused on what I could control, and that was my body, my appearance. So I had lost so much weight when I was very, very sick. And my rebound mentality was, well, I'm just going to get my body as big as I can. And so I put on as much muscle as I could. And with that came body fat as well. My natural weight's about 165, 167 pounds. I got up to just under 200 pounds. And that was really uh, a bad idea for my body. It's not a good fit for my body type or my height. And also, I was my immune system was even worse. I was taking in so much protein. Uh, it was very difficult on my digestion. It was zapping all of my energy. So what I did was, you know, here's the thing, though. I never fault people from trying anything. I had to probably do that to then have the mindfulness to understand that's not healthy. Even if I thought that that's where my body would be best, it's not healthy in the long run. Good, I did it. I realized that was a mistake, but I'm not mad at myself because it was a learning experience. So then I got back down to more of my normal weight, which is like low 170s, high 160s. Right. Well, uh, the tagline on your podcast, which is the Cabral effect, is change your body change your life. So that says to me, you know, if you're frustrated in life, maybe you're frustrated in your business, you're frustrated in personal life, maybe you have anxiety, stress, maybe you're overweight. In your opinion, you should start with your body. Is that right? 
Yes, I, and I still believe that to this day. And that's because my goal is not really to help people get well, lose the weight, live longer. It is. But what I want them to do is take that abundant energy, health, vitality, and do something beautiful with their life. So it's change your life, meaning like, okay, but to change your life. Now, you can do it. I'm not saying that you can't without getting healthy because I was still trying to move forward with my life even when I wasn't well. But it's so much easier when you wake up with energy and passion and you follow your purpose in life. So my goal is, hey, if you're dealing with an autoimmune issue, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, low energy, anything autoimmune, let's fix that. Let's, we're not going to have to spend a lot of time, 12 weeks to six months or so. Let's fix it. Let's make sure we understand now how you got well so we don't slide backwards. Okay, You're still going to be able to live a normal life. You can still enjoy your favorite foods. And then we're going to say, now that you have all of this abundant health, what are we going to do with it? What do you want to do with your life? Because ultimately, that's what I'm looking to help people achieve. Right. Well, that's fantastic because there are a lot of people out there who truly don't know what they want their life to look like, isn't it? And, and so I think starting with health is is wonderful because you can get feeling better and feeling more balanced and, and that kind of thing. So uh, now you have a system for getting well in just 21 days and you talk about that in your book. Can people really get well in only 21 days? Well, so they can do a tremendous amount of work. And we say that you we run very advanced functional medicine lab tests at home, but they're very easy to do. They're urine, they're saliva, they're hair, they're stool-based tests to look for candida overgrowth, gut-based issues, what your vitamin levels are, what your mineral levels are, electrolytes, all of those great things. So people can run those. They can run them anywhere around the world. However, not everyone can afford those, and we totally understand that. So we say, well, how can we help people at no matter what level they're coming in? So the book is almost free, and then we have the what's called the 21-day Dr. Ball Detox. And it's 21 days that teaches you, because it's not just about doing it, it's about learning. So it teaches you a new style of eating, and it helps ramp up what's called phase one and phase two liver detoxification. So I don't want to bore everyone, but what it does is it takes all the toxins in your body. Keep in mind, we're exposed to over 77,000 man-made chemicals in the environments. This is proven. This is the real deal. They have to um, actually tell you when a new synthetic chemical is made. So the World Health Organization has at, at it right now at least 77,000. The average woman uh, wears 12 or uses 12 cosmetic products, shampoos, conditioners, lipstick, et cetera, and leaves the house with over 126 chemicals on her body every single day. These are all things that can lead to cancer. They're well-proven, well-documented. So that, besides the heavy metals and the aluminum and the tap water, well, what a 21-day detox does is it helps to rebalance healthy levels of blood sugar, of inflammation, of hormones, and it helps people lose the weight if they need to lose the weight. If you don't need to, well, you're not going to lose the weight because your body's already balanced from that aspect. So in 21 days, what we're hoping to do is get people dramatically better, but also help them get a quick win. What I've learned in my practice over 18 years is that a lot of people have struggled and they've failed many times. So if you help them get a quick win, they realize that this is the path to success and they will keep going with it. I love that. I think that's great. Now, when you talk about the thousands and thousands of toxins it, that we're all exposed to, you know, it must be a situation where some of our listeners would feel overwhelmed with that. How can we possibly not be overwhelmed by that information? It is overwhelming. And what I like to let people know is you're going to do your best. And that's all you can ever do. There's no doubt. I mean, I do, I run a toxicity test. It's a simple urine-based test. And when I run mine, it consistently comes back moderately elevated 
for something, I'll give you the, the non-technical term, it's for break dust, right? I live in the city of Boston. I walk to work, I walk back from work. There are cars in the city, there are trains in the city, um, and I'm constantly breathing that in. I can't see it, it's an invisible vapor. So what do I do? Well, I've controlled my exposure to pesticides, to aluminum, to high mercury fish. I've done those things. I've gotten rid of my aluminum pans. I have a shower filter. I have those, those types of things, a water filter. So then after that, I say, okay, well, if the biggest thing I'm being exposed to is brake dust, fine. I'm okay with that. I'm going to be exposed to something. And when I go to a restaurant and they serve ice and water, well, there's, a, there's going to be some aluminum in that ice, most likely. There's some chlorine. There's some fluoride. Not great for my gut, but... It's every once in a while. And I know every 12 weeks, I'm doing another seasonal detox. So I'm going to continue to remove those. I do saunas. And so, you know, what you can do is all you can do. And if you do that, you're going to be fine. You really are. Well, I'm just wondering if you ever experienced flack or were you ever bullied by doctors in the mainstream world, you know, being in naturopathic medicine? Yeah, I mean, so the thing is, this is about being mindful as well. And 10 years ago, I would stand right up and debate you. And I would try to, you know, win the debate, right? Because I'm like, I know, I know the answers to this. Listen, you know, every day in clinical practice, I see this, you can't say that it's not true. And there's also research behind it. But now I'm no longer like that. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. And, and that's great. And there's also a, a community for everyone, right? So I have the people that want to get well, they want to lose the weight, they want to live longer, stronger. And those are the only people that I can truly help. Now I put out a free podcast every day, hoping to educate those and hopefully they come on our side as well, which is the side of health. But yes, I mean, there are doctors the time that say there's no, um, and again, we're not a supplement-based practice at all, but they say, oh, there's no validity of supplements, yet they know that there is because they prescribe uh, prescription fish oil and vitamin D and uh, folate for pregnancy. So they obviously know that they work. They just, uh, oh, they say, oh, no, no, those ones are okay, but these ones aren't. Well, there's research behind every single one. So, you know, for me, it's, I just smile now and, and I let it go. I am very impressed with some of the reviews on your podcast of people talking about personal stories where they've been helped. Can you tell us a personal story of someone that you've helped and specifically, you know, what happened about the path, their journey? Yes, absolutely. So what I've seen in my practice, especially, you know, there's there's two main paths that people will typically come in. Uh, an overstressed path that starts to shut down the immune system, affect their gut. And then there's a lot of people with digestive issues uh, that lead to stress. So there's, you know, bloating and there's gas, there's acid reflux. So just letting you know, there's one person that uh, I work with specifically and they had a lot of bloating, they had a lot of digestive issues. They had a, um, this was a woman, she no longer got her cycle. There was a lot of issues wrong. So she wanted to immediately work on her hormones to get her cycle fixed. The problem was she had already tried that. She had done many different prescriptions. What we did was teach her that in order to get her body out of the fight or flight state, which is essentially shutting down her progesterone levels, we needed to calm the mind, calm the body, and calm the digestive system. We also needed her to better absorb her food because she was only absorbing partially all the good food she was eating because she had candida overgrowth, she had H. pylori, and she had bacterial overgrowth. So we did something called the candida and bacterial overgrowth protocol. We sealed up that gut wall and at the same time, spacing out her meals more. A lot of people like to graze throughout the day. 
The problem with that is they're adding undigested food on top of partially digested food in their stomach and it's starting to ferment. So for most people, we're advocating three to five hours between those meals. It allows blood sugar levels to fall, the food to move all the way through the stomach and begin to get digested. So over a period of four months, she was able to rebuild her digestion get her hormones back on track, and she then got her menstrual cycle back. So this is um, not an uh, atypical case, and it's just a different way of looking at things that sometimes it's not just the hormones messing up, that there's more to it. Dr. Cabral, I want to hear about a day in your life when you were eight years old. How did you look at the world? What kind of a little boy were you? That's a great question. I've never been asked that before. So, you know, I was not a... I was an angry, I had a high temper, I was very competitive. Um, and, and the reason was this, the reason is fairly simple. Some of it is nature. Like we, I can see the difference in my two young daughters. One has that competitive spirit and fire in her and she always has, okay? And the other one is like happy, go lucky. She's still there, but like, you know, it's just different. But then there's also the nurturing. And I was the oldest of four kids under five years old. So, you know, obviously I didn't know this at eight years old, but there's a competition, right? There's a competition for your sure. parents' attention, uh, for their love, for all of those things. So what did I act out? Well, I acted out in trying to be an A student, trying to be the best in every sport, like very competitive. And so, you know, all of those things are great, you know, but I, I what I had to do was realize that that was the eight-year-old me. That was the 17-year-old me. There's a 27-year-old me, and then there's a 37-year-old, you know, like we have to move through those stages. And so... I look at it with an immense amount of um, perspective and gratitude now. Those are my two favorite words. And they've allowed me to be who I am today, but also hopefully be a better father for my two girls. Well, you're extremely passionate about healthcare and helping people. And, and that's just wonderful because I, I think we don't have enough people who are passionate about that. Did the passion come when you first found wellness after that sickness at 17? I think the passion actually came from the frustration of seeing over two dozen medical doctors best in the world in Boston, Massachusetts, and they had no answers for me. And a few told me it was all in my head. So uh, again, that went back to the competitive me. And I said, you know, I could do two things, which they said is just wait until you get even worse and then maybe we'll find something. Or I can say, I'm not going to let this dis-ease of my body win. I'm not going to let these doctors win. I'm going to figure this out. And so that's the yang in the yin-yang. It's not very healthy, right? But right. at that point, I needed it to push me forward. Now, once you start to get well, you realize the only way that you'll fully get well is to nurture the yin, which calms down the nervous system. And that's finally how I truly, like, I had to go through a lot of things, rebuilding the gut, stress, all those things. But I had to calm down my psychology because it affects my physiology. It was literally burning out my nervous system. I couldn't sleep, all of those things. So, um, the, you know, a lot of things that are hardships in life, honestly, they're blessings in disguise. And it's so hard to actually believe that when you're going through it because I've been there. Like, but now I look back and I say, well, had I not gotten sick, what was I going to do with my life? Like I had no real plan at going into college. So this gave me passion. It gave me purpose. And now I simply don't want other people to have to suffer as long as I did. Wow. Wow. You alluded to your morning routine a little bit. You said you get up early, you give yourself time. Can you detail that a little bit more for us? Do you meditate? Is that part of your morning routine? Yeah. So what I did, this kind of 
fully solidified about three years ago. I had tried maybe a dozen or so different morning routines. I'd copied other people's, which is the best place to start when you're first learning. You need to model other people. And um, I would try to wake up super early, but that wasn't good for my body because uh, my body was not ready to get up at the 4 a.m., 4.30 a.m. hour. Some people just need a little bit more sleep to kind of calm that nervous system. So I realized that. I try to let my body wake up between 5.30 and 6, and I try to get to bed uh, by 10 p.m. at night. And that seems to work great for my body. And again, I can lab test cortisol and all these things. So I know that it's, it's in harmony with my nervous system. So what I do right away is I get up, and we're, we're all dehydrated. We haven't drank water for at least eight hours. And that's if you drink water right before bed, which most people don't. So it's more like 10 hours without water. So I grab my daily fruit and vegetable blend. I squeeze a lime in. I do a pinch of sea salt. And sometimes um, if I'm a little low blood sugar, I'll do a little bit of raw manuka honey or raw local honey, just a little bit. It's about two, three grams of sugar. That's all. And that's how we start my day. I brush my teeth. Now for me, I immediately get ready for the day. And the reason is this. If I found that even on the weekends, if I don't immediately get ready for the day, I become very sluggish and my day just goes from there. So if I start the day, it's basically saying like, I'm greeting the day. I'm ready to get started. And what I've realized as well, like I've studied and I love Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn and all the great people out there, uh, Tony Robbins. I just put on one of their videos on YouTube or someone's podcast that I enjoy. And it's a little inspiration to start your day because I know this is getting like more technical, but you wake up out of your theta state and you're starting to just, you're very receptive at this time. This is the best time to meditate. It's the best time to listen to some motivation or um, speak your goals and listen to yourself speaking your goals because it's going to get deep into the subconscious mind, which we may talk about in a moment or so. So that's what I do. I get ready for my day. I do some movements, some yoga-based movements to start the day. And uh, then I have my breakfast, my smoothie and my oatmeal, and I'm, I'm good to go. And do you meditate? So I used to meditate every single morning. And what I found is that I was getting a little bit more sluggish, like almost too subdued. And right now is where I'm at in my life. I have a busy practice. I've got a young family, like all of those things. So what I do is I actually have my quiet time once I get to work, which is a form of meditation. And again, like, so I meditated with Buddhist monks, Tibet monks, and I learned all of that. And what I've done now and I do meditate. So I don't want to say that I don't. I absolutely do meditate. I try to do two 10-minute periods a day. So what I get the most out of, though, and this is to be really, really honest, is putting on binaural beats and going for a walk. I call it a walking meditation, like a Zen walking meditation. No phone, no anything. I'm just concentrating on my breath. I breathe in through my nose and out through my mouth, and I try to get in some air, some fresh air. Um, and that's in addition to my quiet meditation. But for me, that is powerful. Because then I'm not just with my thoughts and not trying to sit like, don't think, don't, all of these things. So um, there are many different forms of meditation, but the truth is that everyone needs to practice one form or another. Right. Yeah, I appreciate that. As we uh, move toward the end of the interview, Dr. Cabral, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. And the first one is this, who is one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life? Well, there's a great book that I always recommend, and it's by Dr. Joseph Murphy. Mm -hmm. And it's called The Power of the Subconscious Mind. I've read many, many books on mindset. When I read that, I was just, it kind of brought it all together for me. Everyone has their own book, but that one spoke to me the most. And it's the one that I'll go back to and I'll often reread. And then in terms of the person in real life, it was my mentor, Dr. Pete, who introduced me to the Heart Math Institute. And um, they talk a lot about parasympathetic nervous system and sympathetic nervous system and heart rate variability. It's more technical 
but some people are technical data people. And I just love uh, both of those. So I'm a huge fan. Okay, we'll put this in the show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. Second question, how has mindfulness affected your emotions? It's made me a more level, calm, and relaxed person. You know, with, with, with understanding that I can't be perfect, nor will I ever be perfect, what I do is I simply try to be the best version of me. That's it. So I have my bad moments, and, but I catch myself. So as we started the show, we were talking about self-awareness. I'm just more self-aware now. How am I acting in this moment? Or maybe I wasn't self-aware in the moment, but I am. I'm reflecting afterwards and saying, how could I have done that better? And I just try to do it better in the future without judging myself. And how is breathing part of your mindfulness? Breathing is the key. The key to mindfulness. If you are holding your breath, you are turning on the fight or flight you are most likely either chest breathing or you're stimulating what's called the sympathetic nervous system. It's hard to be relaxed. It's hard to produce GABA, serotonin, all the relaxation neurotransmitters. If you are holding your breath, which most of us do, I used to, or chest breathing under stress. So what you do is you go back to belly breathing. You can look up diaphragmatic breathing or belly breathing. I did an interview on this with one of the foremost uh, doctors on, on breathing. And you want to breathe in through the nasal passages. And if you have clogged nasal passages, well, then you need to work on why they're clogged and inflamed like mine were. And you're going to focus back on the one thing that you really can control, and that's your breath. And by going back to your breath, it will take your mind off the situation, and then you can refocus back on that situation. Right. And you've already told us about the book by Dr. Joseph Murphy, The Power of the Subconscious Mind. I'll put that in the in the show notes as well. Do you recommend an app which can help with mindfulness? There are a lot of great apps out there. Um, a lot of people I know recommend Headspace. And the reason why that's decent is that it just gets you to do it for 10 minutes, ideally twice a day. So that's always nice. I'm I have so many. Uh, one of my favorites, though, is just downloading a Binaural Beats app. One of my favorites is Whole Tones. And they'll actually walk you through lower levels of hertz. They're just called hertz, the, the number of hertz. And um, so they'll be more relaxing to more inspiring and invigorating. No words, just nature sounds and the beats. And what I found, and, and I've looked a lot into this, because it's difficult for a lot of people to get in a meditative state. So what binaural, binaural beats do is they help to entrain your brainwaves to get you into that meditative state faster, especially if you only have 10 minutes. So you can use them with traditional meditation um, or walking meditation, whatever you'd like. So uh, those are two that I like. Wow, you have shared so much with us today. This has been fantastic. And I know we can find you at, at stephencabral.com, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. Cabral is C-A-B-R-A-L. Where else should we find you online or how can we connect with you? Sure. So my podcast is called The Cabral Concept. It's a daily podcast on, um, well, it's on Android. It's for iTunes, all those good stations. And it's just at stephencabral.com forward slash podcast. So we've done over a thousand shows pretty much on every topic imaginable. So you can just kind of search it in that search bar. And then my book is The Rain Barrel Effect. Those are basically just no cost or low cost areas to start just for education on health. And that's where, I, I mean, my goal is just to educate, inspire people, wherever you feel the next best path is from there, then, then you can get started. And Mindful Tribe, I highly recommend it. You do check out the book, check out the podcast, the Cabral Concept, all great stuff. And I love what you're doing for the world. Thank you so much for being on the show, Dr. Cabral. 
It's my pleasure. Keep up the great work. This is an amazing podcast. Thank you so much. Bye now. Bye. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember what I mentioned at the top of the show, Awaken with Focus, a 12-minute meditation just for you, recorded by me. You can be alert, focused after waking. That's what it's all about. Feel invigorated, fresh, and dynamic. Let your vibrancy feed those around you. Download this meditation to help you get going in the morning at mindfulnessmode.com slash awaken with focus. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.